0: You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 62. Hi everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew, and I'm wearing pants, which is an improvement over what I was thinking about doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back in
1: my former room.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude is actually in person here, so that, that, uh, that that's that's kind of nice.
1: It is it, nice. And it's you, different. It is, and and I like what you did with the place. Yeah, we had to do something. <laughs> Were those were those walls the the doors always that design and you just painted them? Yes. Oh my god, I never noticed that. However, they were not always
0: that white. Uh, that was probably my fault. Well, I think you and sunlight. <laughs> so uh, we talked about this when we did the the Batman versus Superman podcast, mm-hmm. and we wanted to kind of come back to it. So since you're in town, we figured which I gallantly defended. That was like my Alamo. <laughs> oh, Batman versus Superman. I was, like, yeah. I was like, "What did you gallantly defend?" See how much I'm paying attention to you here. Uh, now we talked about uh, the 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 neck break in yeah. in um, Man of Steel, and we kind of wanted to come back to that. So, w- where this comes from is that when Man of Steel came out, you and I had kind of discussed for a while, I think, mm-hmm. whether or not that that was really out of character for Superman.
1: Yeah, and and, and I kind of felt it was, and you you were okay with it. I was okay with it. You know, It's you have me on a bit of a disadvantage because I haven't seen the film in a good long while.
0: And I and I just watched it yeah. this
1: week. And I don't think I saw it since it came out. Uh, and I, admittedly, this
0: is the first time I've seen it since it came out. Like, Becky actually had to take it out of the cellophane wrapper.
1: Yeah, we tried to find it online and we, we couldn't. Uh, so we just wound up watching Watership Down instead. Uh, but, no, I, I did like the neck break. And I'll give you my thesis on why. Okay because then I, I will I will give you mine. and we'll gonna we'll go over there. yeah, let's and I have to say like I'm not a I didn't read the Superman comics. so I'm not a comic book fan of the super, but I was a cinematic fan. So I've seen the Reeves ones, the Brian singer, and the and these Snyder ones. and I enjoy Snyder's take on this character. And maybe it is out of his character I, I probably can't defend that position. But I think it was the right choice narratively to make and, and for the following reasons that let's grant that this is Superman's essence from the start of childhood that he doesn't kill things or he, right. doesn't, he doesn't kill people.
0: Right. And I, and I think we both we
1: can both agree on that
0: conceptually.
1: I mean I can just let I can grant it, right right I can say, you know, my friend Jeff has this great thesis that the, that level of Superman hadn't or that ethic of Superman hadn't been reached yet. And that's an I think that's an interesting hypothesis, but I can grant the idea that this was his essence from childhood, that that's how he was either raised or that's his inherent nature. And what's what I why I like that neck break is if that if that's the case, then it's even a more powerful moment cinematically on the screen because here's a character who is almost all powerful and he is trying to prevent a disaster from happening. And for the most part, he's unable. Because Zod is whooping the crap out of him most of that film, and I think you would agree because you've watched it recently. If Zod had spent maybe two more weeks on Earth and got acclimatized to Earth, he would whoop the crap out of him. Yeah, because he's a trained soldier who knows how to fight, and Superman's like an oil rigger. You know, he works on an oil rig. Like that's the best. Team. He doesn't
0: even. Do, he doesn't even. Do, he just saves a bunch of dudes off the oil. Yeah, rig. he just. He just or he's like working at a
1: restaurant or something. He's a, he works at a restaurant.
0: He's a greenhorn on a, a crab boat because that was when uh,
1: Deadliest Catch was still, still really popular. Yeah, so it, so he doesn't know how to fight, but he's powerful and he's acclimatized. He's got home court. So let's just go right to the moment. He's destroyed most of Metropolis. Uh, Zod has, and he's in this moment where he finally gets Zod in essentially a rear naked choke. For those who who know, you know Brazilian jujitsu, and, and I don't, but I know that's called a rear naked choke. And he gets him in that position, and Zod's about to burn this family. What's beautiful about this moment to me, from a cinematic and narrative point of view, is Superman is left with a choice that he can't win in. And he is supposed to be the guy he always wins. So he either breaks Zod's neck, Zod's neck kills him, right? Violating his essence of letting, or he lets that happen, right? He A family of four, five, whatever. Right, burn in front of him. And he is complicit in that action because he neglected to take out Zod at that moment. And so he's forced into that position. He does it. You can see he's kind of anguished. And then as other friends have pointed out, you, what follows up is one of the most awkward screen kisses in cinematic history with Lois Lane. But when I saw that, I went, wow, that's a powerful moment on screen where he was like, boom, he breaks the guy's neck. And you can see... You know, the, he didn't want to do that, and it. You know, I think he. You you probably remember this better than I do. He screams when he does it, right? He's he he peers anguished when he when he kills Zod. He does, although I,
0: having watched it like again recently, I was a little underwhelmed by that. I, I and you know, people have 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 ripped on Henry Cavill pretty hard for his for being wooden. And I really don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. It, it, overall, I think he does very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he goes more for subtle than
1: yeah i over you the know. Top. But like, it's tough when someone calls another actor wooden. I mean, it's like what character he's trying to play—the stoic man of steel. So I don't. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't think that's. The, I really don't think that's the case. But he kind
0: of he kind of yells, and then he just kind of sits there like. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> that might just be bad editing <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> like, probably bad editing <laughs> like the level of anguish like i like from what i remembered before mm-hmm. i was like yeah like he really gets ripped up torn up about this and it was like not so much yeah not as much so uh,
1: not as much uh, yeah. yeah okay i mean i that's fine but that's that's the the basic thesis is that is that you, we talked about it last time and i forgot which episode it was they painted themselves on a corner they did yeah they really did and, and in my opinion on on just the way when you want to write a movie and you put in these moral conundrums for moral characters, I kind of want to see that. I want to see a character get challenged on that level and deal with the consequences. Now, it's a superhero film, so you know they don't you know, dwell on it for a while. He just right. kind of does it. But that's those are the kind of things I personally would like to see done in superhero films.
0: Yeah, and see, I think the moral quandary isn't that moment as much as it is is that Superman doesn't kill and Zod refuses to do anything. But like either it's going to be you Zod gives him the ultimatum, you or me. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's the moral quandary is how does Superman, he's been basically given this ultimatum, either you kill me or I'm going to kill you. How does Superman find, Mm -hmm. find the other option? Mm -hmm. And I think, I guess I mean, like we agreed they wrote themselves into a corner and I think, but I think they did it on
1: purpose, right? And I, I
0: don't know that. I, see, it doesn't feel like on purpose to me. Okay.
1: Now, one of the other things... It's you... like Bob... It's a happy little accident. So we, have, <laughs> we, we have a family here in the corner of the train station. It's a happy little accident. About to get burned up. It's all right. It's your world. The other thing you I'll can look, do what you yeah, want. With other it. Other, you can burn a family of four. It's fine. Like, like, everyone else in the train
0: station runs the fuck away. Yeah. The family of four huddles, run... First of all, like, they're not all together. It's like dad and mom, and then the kids run to dad and mom. So that, like, you know... Mm-hmm all right, all right, everybody, let's get burned together. Yeah. Just like... it It's
1: uh, very reminiscent, as you're mentioning it, of that scene that I think was edited out of the original Godzilla where the, the family is, like, huddled by that burning building as Godzilla's passing them by. I don't re- I don't know if I've seen that scene. Oh, yeah, it's... it's I believe it was cut out from Gojira, or got, cut out from yeah. Godzilla, but it's in Gojira, is, is he's be- blasting through Tokyo, and there's a mother huddling together with her two kids next to a burning building, and she's saying something like, don't worry, kids, we're gonna be seeing daddy really soon. And then like the Oh god, up. yes, I do. Yeah. Oh Jesus, yeah. So that's just it's just something that popped in my head when you Yeah, mentioned. okay.
0: Yeah, because I actually I actually have not seen the American Cut of Godzilla. I have only seen Gogeta.
1: Mm-hmm. So something something
0: else that you had you had brought up is, is and you wanted me to watch was, was it Max Landis?
1: <sighs> Shoot. It's again, regarding,
0: regarding Clark.
1: Which is a I oh man, again, you got me at a disadvantage because I haven't done it. I haven't watched that in a month. But that was brought to me. I would suggest everyone watch it because I really thought it was a very thoughtful analysis of the character Superman that I don't know if I necessarily agreed with everything he said, but I appreciated the guy's take on it. I'm,
0: a, I'm about 50-50 on it.
1: I'm I'm probably going to agree with you on that. He First off, he's kind of a lunatic. Well, he's a Hollywood writer. He's John Landis' son. Right. So, yeah. I'm a, But, yeah. I mean, he's Hollywood. He's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, I like I like my celebrities crazy. This is one of the reasons why I love Katy Perry. I hear she's insane. Chuck Berry's a bonkers. Huh. If they were if they were if Katy Perry. Someone was telling me she likes to walk into rooms backwards, and I just loved her even more for it.
0: Nice. So, so yeah, I think I think I think Max Landis... I think he hits on some really good points. I think And and it's funny because, like, it's not like, I agree, I agree, I agree, I disagree, I disagree, I disagree. Mm -hmm. I agree, I disagree, I disagree. Like, I'm all, I'm back and forth. Or when he says something. Every couple of sentences. Yeah, or when he says even one sentence, you're like,
1: um, sort of, (laughs) you know.
0: Yeah, I think one one of the things I agree with him most is when he talks about what the the essence of Superman is. Mm -hmm. In terms of, like, he's the guy from Kansas. He's a regular Joe. Yeah. From Kansas. Mm Mm-hmm. Who has absolute power, and instead of, especially what we talked about the other day, of absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. Instead of that, absolute power has removed him from greed and from Mm -hmm. want, and it has made him better. And it's such a bizarre take, but it's so interesting. Oh, I I agree. Uh, I think he's out of his mind when he thinks that nobody else seems to see that. I mean, Hollywood seems
1: to be missing that sometimes. Yeah. But... No, I and I think what I think the one thing that stands out in my mind of that video when he talked about a, a Superman, if he were Superman by definition, right? That fight would be in space. He says that towards I think the end of it, like he would. Superman is by definition so good because he's Superman that he would be able to prevent Metropolis from getting smashed up.
0: Yeah, and see, I, I, a, I
1: have I have certain issues with his argument on that. Me too. No, that's probably why I brought it up is that was like my major point of disagreement with him. But I do agree with the point you brought up is that yeah, that is he is not corrupted. He's he, but he is also this average guy, right? Who, you know, at, I assume this is a younger Superman. So I'm going to guess he's twenty three, maybe in this. Yeah, early early, early to 20s. mid early to mid twenties. Yeah, so he's still screwing up which is why I kind of enjoyed it um it, it, it,
0: when you talk about being the average Joe one of the things actually that uh, makes me think back to the Christopher Reeves
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh Superman when he asks uh when he first gets to the plant and he asks them to send half his paycheck to an address in Kansas mm-hmm. and Lois Lane gives him crap so oh are you sending it back to your uh you know your silver-haired silver-haired mother and he corrects her on the color of her hair mm-hmm. not the concept like it's that yeah, that kind of, you know,
1: he's so ignorant of right. Yeah, of that idea. Yeah. And who was by the way, Eva Marie Saint in that one. Great Hitchcock actress and in On the Waterfront. Check it out. Not geeky, but still great. Also with Marlon Brando. Yeah, that's true. Who true. played who played jor
0: Uh But I think Max Landis, I think his big one of his big points that, that I disagreed with had to do with. He basically was arguing from a purely logical standpoint mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Superman in fact should kill Zod mm-hmm. much earlier. Mm-hmm. And I can agree with him from a purely logical standpoint. Basically, the the idea he presents, and like I so said, we'll put this in the show notes so you guys can watch it. It's about a 10-minute video. It's it's turn the volume down because he yells a lot, but was <laughs> <laughs> not expecting that. But other than that, uh it, it actually is a very interesting video. But his basic premise is that because Superman is is his goal is to look out for these people, basically the adult among children. Yeah. As he puts it. When another adult comes to do harm, it's the it's Superman, the first adult's job to remove the other adult. Mm-hmm. And from a perfect a, a strictly logical, perfectly you know, making sense. Simple. I can. I can accept that. Yeah, that
1: sounds pretty airtight the way you're describing it.
0: Right. The my problem is that Superman's not operating from a point of purely being purely logical.
1: Well, yeah, no, I agree. I I actually agree because I've brought this up as here you have a being who is this powerful, and you know w- what his moral compass is is to me really interesting. It's what does Superman just dis- determine? Is right or wrong, for him, to notice enough to feel that he needs the, the needs to intervene. Right. That's that's. I wish we would see more of that because it's pretty simple. A dam breaks. He's got to go save someone falling off a roof.
0: Right. There, there are some things that we can. I think we can all agree are pretty absolutes that are worth Superman's time.
1: Right. But it's that gray area, and the, yeah, and how he handles it. And yeah. How he handles it, where it's like you know, and I get it. It's a, it's an action movie. It's a, these, these are action films. These are superhero films. But to me, it's almost like you are forcing that question to come out is here's a creature who is this powerful. And again, like an adult, demigod however people want to right. describe him. And it's, you know, I know some people got really annoyed with the Hellenistic references in, in Batman vs Superman, but yeah, I thought, I mean, that didn't bother me, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. It, it bothered some people and I get it. Cause it, it was a little ham handed, uh, but yeah, that's it's like he's less Yahweh and more Zeus or Ares. The, right. He does take a personal interest in the
0: the day to day lives wide. of man.
1: Yep. So I, yeah, I mean, I I think that that is part as a as a cinematic fan, I think that part's cool. And I think Snyder in his films are he's touching it, he's not really opening that up. Yeah. But he's, but he's at least paying some lip service to it. So I'll give him minor points for that. Yeah,
0: but yeah, it's, and then the other the other kind of thing, like I said, he's operating from a, a not not a logical place, like the 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 computer image of Jor El, mm-hmm. even I mean reinforces that even when he says you can save them all, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Jor El's trying to talk Zod out of doing what he's doing. So mm-hmm. there's some of that. There's also the fact that, and, and I think that's, this has to do with the the collateral damage mm-hmm. that that that. We've talked about that, and that Max also talks about. Am I thinking that what that is is that, you know, Superman's in the
1: moment. Mm. I don't think he's thinking about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is obviously all powerful, but he ain't all knowing,
0: right? And actually, that and that—that's actually another interesting parallel. with, Like you were saying, as like a like a Greek god, like a Zeus compared to compared to a Judeo-Christian god, Mm where the Judeo-Christian god is omnipresent all-knowing all-powerful mm-hmm.
1: and all-loving depending on who you talk to there's all that right but i mean i mean, well, I mean those, those are the, like the three major yep. you know omniscient omnipresent omni bu- bu- he's cute let's just say that he's cute. <laughs> omnipotent omnip- did a uh, real quick side note have you watched those bloopers where he can't say omnipotent no oh it's funny okay sorry we'll have to to find that right turn put on the show notes Q can't say omnipotent (laughs) he's gonna kill himself it's great nice
0: so yeah I think that's 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 also a a big distinction Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean he just I think after the fact he realizes what he's what's happened in the midst of the fight yeah but I don't think at the time he's at all cognizant of
1: it no I mean yeah he can't he can't be because he's Fighting a lunatic right. who knows, like, you know, Krog Maga or something like that. He can do Muay Thai. Right. He's killing him. He's oh. Well, and then and that actually kind of comes to my other point. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my third
0: my third point from that I differ from Max is Whether or not Superman logically should kill Zod mm-hmm. is a different question of whether or not
1: Superman can kill Zod mm-hmm. to start. Right. So it's that Superman can't kill. By definition, because he's Superman.
0: No, 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 oh, no. No, it's. I don't think. I mean, just. I mean, you're watching the film. Zod's got to go completely out of his fucking mind before he is out of control enough for Superman to gain the upper hand. Right. He is not physically skilled or capable enough to start that fight mm-hmm. to kill Zod. hmm. And I think that's also something
1: to to kind of keep in mind, you know. Yeah. I don't necessarily. You, did you find that interesting? Because I, I actually thought that was kind of interesting that. You know, we think of Superman as oh, he's going to show up and save the day. We're well, you're, you're you're basically saying, and I agree with you, he's sh- he started at a disadvantage. Oh, heavily, yeah, no, no, absolutely, yeah.
0: No, no, and I think that ma- I think that made for interesting storytelling. I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of why. Again, I, like if you go like way back, you know, because this is one of the early posts we did on 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 the blog, mm-hmm. I give it like two and a half stars mm-hmm. because of this end because of the ending. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, four four and a half. I mean, I really enjoyed Man of Steel.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, it's just that, it's that taste thing. I, and I get, I, I don't know how many superhero, uh, how many, not super but Superman comics you've read. I don't. Honestly, not that many. I'm not a particularly big Superman fan. Yeah, neither was I. I mean, I like the movies, because I don't know about you, I grew up watching them on, on Channel 11 outside of New York, WPIX, would always run the four Superman films. Yeah, you
0: know, I don't think I've seen Superman 3 and 4 of the Christopher Reeves. Yeah,
1: I mean, they're not and... good. Well, no, no, except for, you know, Richard Pryor's in it, so that's... that's Uh, What I'll give Superman 3 a lot of credit for, for whatever reason, as a kid, and I'm probably sure it doesn't translate, is where he, like, splits in two and fights his bad self. It's like Clark and Superman, and Clark defeats Superman by putting him in a trash compactor. And then I remember, as a young person, going, what, what, what happens next? And then Clark opens his shirt, and it's Superman under the shirt. That was just a, a really kind of, like, hurrah moment.
0: Right, it's not a very good moment. No, but, but it, it's a
1: lot of... It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a hurrah,
0: because the movie on its whole is really dumb. The movie on its whole really kind of deserves to be in the trash compactor with with them there. Yeah, 4 ain't much better either, if I remember
1: correctly. It's like, it's like Rocky Five. Yeah, he throws nuclear weapons in the sun, and then yep. out comes the dude. Yeah. In fully dressed in a purple leotard. <laughs> Even as like a 10-year-old, you're going, No. No, yeah, no, that, I, that ain't right. No, that's not right. But. No, I, d- I definitely remember watching Superman one and two. I wish,
0: I wish the the actual director's cut had survived to Superman two. Yeah, because I mean, like, there's a there's a Donner cut of it mm-hmm. that's available, mm-hmm. but like from what I understand, like some of the the some of the material just just was lost. Like the
1: what's the Orson Welles film there? Well, there's a couple of them. The Magnificent Ambersons that's is the, the first w- one yeah. that comes to mind, but yeah. there's a couple others that were taken from him.
0: Yeah, but that—that's like I think that's the most famous one.
1: Yeah, that is. It was his second film that he can't—he never actually watched. Yeah. he tried to watch it with Peter Bogdanovich, and the report was Bogdanovich is trying to get him to watch it, and, and there's a point where Wells goes, "This is where it becomes their movie," and he just got up and left. Like he couldn't—he couldn't watch it. I mean, that's very—that's very Orson Welles. Yeah, so, no,
0: you yeah. de- definitely definitely. It definitely is. If you yeah, can it. show me how to emphasize in,
1: in in July. Oh man, please put that in the show notes. I'll see if I can find that. It, it's out there. Oh no,
0: I know I I know it's out there. I know I have it. It may find its way just like a, like an audio clip
1: on the blog. Oh, please it is so it, it is, if I showed it to some voice actor friends, and they're like, he's exactly right. <laughs> he's right. He's everything he's saying is right. Yeah. It's really great. It's it's spectacular. Yeah, I mean
0: Actually, you know what my biggest pet peeve with regarding Clark was? What's that? It's called regarding Clark. I yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it was like I so, was like,
1: when when are we going to get the Clark part? Right. Oh oh, we're not. Well, what the fuck? So I mean, I guess this is a bigger, broader question about how, and I'm, I'm on board with saying that you know, I I have a real animosity towards superhero films because I just wish they deal with things a little bit different. And these kind of conundrum questions, as a like a someone who likes old school sci fi, right. I wish we could because superhero films are science fiction. They absolutely. Are, they're absolutely in that field. And I was saying this to a friend last night. In science fiction, the the true hook of science fiction in my mind is not the the thing that's been created, the the teleporter or the spaceship or the superpower or whatever. It's how our humanity changes as a result of this. Now some some superhero stuff does really good job, like X-Men. That that's almost their entire focus on right. it, is how humanity deals with the mutants. M- yeah, mutants, and that's beautiful. For some of them, conceptually, they... execution is sometimes okay. Fun. No, totally fair. I just yeah no, no yeah okay yeah, okay sorry. fine you, absolutely fair. But the broader point is, I wish I could see that more. Is yeah. these kind of conundrums like we talked about? We could talk the same. We could make the same argument about Batman. Is Batman doesn't kill and one of like the the toughest moments for me watching the dark Knight is when in the Nolan film is when he's going to run Joker over with the, the bike and he couldn't do it with the motorcycle. And I get it, you know, because in this universe, the Nolan Batman doesn't want to kill. Got it. But I wish there would be consequence, like really the consequences of that action played deeper into Superman, uh, Batman. Yeah. And I just don't remember. I saw that film about, I think twice. I don't remember that really coming into play and I feel that's just a missed opportunity now maybe it's a little too heady and I get it's I don't mean to say that in like a proud way but no no yeah it, it's a
0: it's a it's a comic book movie we've only got x amount of time to get get through this movie yeah yeah. no no I I understand what you're saying yeah
1: that's what I'm saying it's like and I, I, that's why I kind of appreciate Catwoman at the end of, of Dark Knight Rises when she shoots Bane and goes I'm not down with the gun thing I thought I kind of appreciated that moment of brevity yeah but I mean that—that's that, basically. I want to hash that out because I know we—we we had, had we had bounced off this like at least twice. Yes. And we couldn't. We didn't have the time to dedicate, at least what I thought was a thoughtful discussion about it.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it's nice to be able to you know do this face to face instead of over the internet because my fucking internet is broken. Oh yeah, you're moment. having bad times with it right this now. This is pissing me off.
1: Ooh, ooh,
0: yeah. Words will be had with my kid, <laughs> with my uh, internet provider. Yeah. Probably fuck
1: several times. It rhymes with ox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what? You, so we're we gonna do the what are you into real quick? Sure. I, I kind of said all I needed to. I, I really had one thesis on this. Yeah. And it's no, like no, I, me... I saw it. I liked it. I wish we'd do more of sure. it. Sure. But that's basically it. What are you up to? Uh.
0: So, so, so this podcast is actually coming is actually being recorded about 24 hours after the Daredevil podcast, uh, and it's gonna get banked for a little bit. So hello, future people. Bank show. But uh, so in the last 24 hours, I have picked up uh, one of my Gundam models again. Which have, looks, yeah, those things look great. Yeah, and I've been been working pretty diligently on it. I've been it's a Epion, so it's got the big the big wings, and I'm about to do
1: the uh, yeah do the whip. This thing's I gotta this badass. I got to rewatch Gundam Wing. That was one of my favorite animes when I was it's in high school. It's hard to
0: find, like hard to find for a reasonable price. Let me phrase it to you that way. Yeah,
1: because well, there's a lot of them. There's a few that were like short lived. But Gundam Wing was like fifty something episodes. I think it's more than that. But oh yeah, it was long. That, I want what... to say
0: I want to say it's like in the seventies actually. But I could believe that. And and it's I've got the I have the original Mobile Suit Gundam, and I got to go get back into watching that. Mm-hmm. I've got Gundam Seed. I actually just picked up the the movies for the original Gundam Wing. Have
1: you found there's one that I used to watch on Adult Swim years ago, like 2002, and it was called I believe the Eighth Mobile MS Team or something. Uh huh. It was like an eighth episode run that was like Gundams and guerrilla warfare in Italy or something. Interesting. It was really cool, but it was a brief, brief run. I think it was the 8th eighth, eighth mobile MS team, I think.
0: Huh. I'll look into that.
1: I'm probably getting the name wrong, but it was definitely. Was yeah, we can figure it out from that, though. Yeah. But that, that was really cool.
0: So, yeah, uh, I've been pretty diligently working on that when putting on background
1: noise. hmm So, that's been fun. We watched uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy last night, which I had not seen since it came out. Probably 10 years ago. Uh, 11, 2005. 2005, okay, yeah. And I remember enjoying it then, enjoying it now, but man, that just kind of just fell off the face of the earth when it was just, hello, God. Hello. Yeah, although
0: the, I'd forgotten some of the people who were in it. Yeah. I mean, like I knew Martin Freeman, Yeah, but I'd forgotten about Sam Rockwell.
1: Mm-hmm. Who uh, I believe was doing his best George Bush in that he one. Was, yeah, he was doing some pretty hard George Bush. Bush in that one. <laughs> uh, Most Def is in it. Yeah, who... He's a nice actor. It's just, just really strange, dude. Yeah. Then uh, Zoe,
0: Desha- uh, yeah, Zoe Deschanel, who I, we all love. Yeah, we all love. Oh. Yeah, I, I think that, that that'll. I can't decide if we if I want if we want to do individual movies that we think got over got overlooked or just underrated, or if we want
1: to do it a single podcast. But I think we, we're coming up with enough of a list. I think we should do them in a group. Yeah, you think so? I think so. I think it because I got a couple that like pop, like this one definitely popped in my mind. And there's a few others. That it's, of course, it's according to us. Well, yeah. But, like, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, what are your top five underrated or underappreciated films the last couple years? Okay. I think that would be good. I finished a couple more. I, since I'm here, I flew here from San Diego to pick up the cat. And uh, I finished a couple of the Conan stories. I'm almost done with volume one. And uh, definitely found one of those awkward, uh, racially charged Conan stories. Oh.
0: Right, and, and and you know to be to be fair again, these are
1: all were all written in the in the early '30s. Yeah, Paul, this one written in the early '30s, but not published until after he died. Yeah. So I thought that was Howard died. What? When did he die? Thirty-six.
0: Yeah. So all obviously all these have to be have to have to have been written before that.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that one was a little awkward. But overall, I still I still think they're great. Is you know aside from the the strange you know racial elements to them that are just bizarre elements of that time in American history the story itself was actually like you know the stories themselves are actually really fun to listen to read and, and and get through I've got one more and then I'm finished with that book yeah and then I just I've been collecting a bunch of those Osprey publishing books I remember I said Osprey book on the last pod on one of the previous podcasts and it's either someone listening doesn't know it's a publishing company would have thought like a book on the bird or the plane what are you talking about yeah no, it's it's Osprey Publishing. Right? And,
0: and you you found yet another one last night at a bookstore at a comic book store that we kind of don't go to very often because well obviously you don't go because you're in San Diego but yeah I don't I don't go to very often because the customer service is just god awful yeah it is like they kind of they kind of acknowledge your presence and then say okay you know like I have been asked at that store hey are you looking for something and I said and I'll tell them what and they're like all right well good luck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. No,
0: you, he did you, you own this fucking store. Do, you, do <laughs> you know if you have, do you have any idea what's in here?
1: Oh, man. You know, I'll say this. I don't know when the last time you were in there. For me, it was probably three years ago. Oh, I think mine was a month,
0: two months ago. Oh, well,
1: I will say this. From what I remember, when I first started going there in 2011, it's ship ship shape, comparatively speaking. Oh, no, no,
0: no, no. It used to, it used to really kind of fall into like one of those scary store categories for yep. like when I started going there in 2008 when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. No, they've, they've done a real good job of cleaning it up, getting the lighting. Like, they had a bunch of lights out, so, like, parts that were kind of dark and questionable. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's not a bad store. They've got a lot of, Yeah. like, I tend to go there when I'm looking for something that's been out of print
1: for a while, because they tend to have a lot of out-of-print stuff. Yeah, because it's just old stuff that they leave on the shelves. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I thought it was, they had a decent board game section, and... They yeah, had, uh, you know they had these military history books and a lot yeah. of models and role playing stuff. It, it, and
0: it's not a bad
1: store. It's just really crappy customer service. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I had the exact same respo- uh, response you did. It was like, "Hey, you need anything?" I was like, "Nope, just look at your board games." I was like, mm, "Okay," and he was looking at this giant monitor. Yeah, the guy's got like a forty-inch television as a monitor. Yeah, I
0: was like, "Whoa!" But no, I, I thought it was. Pretty I, I have caught him playing "Sins of a Solar Empire." Empire oh, on that. Oh man, because like that guy never leaves his chair. No. I I believe he is his chair. Like he actually like the the, the the register is actually set up in such a manner that he doesn't
1: he can just turn the chair. Yeah. And and ring you up and then turn back to his. Yeah. Computer. He never stands up. He never like stands up to greet you. Yep. He just he just rolls back and forth like Baron Harkonnen from Dune. He doesn't actually. Yeah. He doesn't actually do anything.
0: All right, folks, so if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com Check out our blog posts and our, and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.
1: Comment. Comment. Tell and us where we're wrong. <laughs> join the conversation. You know, we would love to hear from you guys. Hashtag Tracy's wrong. <laughs> She's not here to defend herself. Killing me, Smalls. <laughs> so once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Dude. You be well and you've been listening to their for a geek